I'm Tom Morello, host of Maximum Firepower, a weekly podcast focusing on the music, the moments, and the movements that have shaped my worldview and left an indelible mark on me as an artist and activist. Come correct with Maximum Firepower. For you and me. This is Tom Morello's Maximum Firepower. Hey there, I'm Tom Morello, and this is Maximum Firepower. It is a great pleasure and a great honor to have this week on the show. I hesitate to even call her a guest because she's a great friend and all and family. This is Nora Guthrie. <laughs> What's up, Nora? How are you? Hi everyone. Hey Tom. Nora, as you may or may, as our listeners may not know, is the daughter of Woody Guthrie, America's great folk troubadour. And I think that it might be uh, that one of the things that bring, first of all, it's lovely to see you and lovely to speak with you. But one of the things that brings us to today's particular discussion is that there is a brand new book called Woody Guthrie: Songs and Art, Words and Wisdom. Nora, among other things, is the curator of the Woody Guthrie archives and the past, present, and future of Woody Guthrie stuff in the world. And it does a (laughs) tremendous job of sort of keeping her father's legacy alive and sort of unearthing great gems of art and wisdom. And this new book, Woody Guthrie, Songs and Art, Words and Wisdom, is just such a thing. So first of all, there may be be listeners out there now who don't know entirely who Woody Guthrie is. So let's just talk a little bit about your father's life and legacy for perhaps some of our younger listeners are not that familiar with it. I have a lot to say about your dad, but I'd like from his daughter, who was Woody Guthrie and why is a book like this and his artistic legacy important in 2021? Well, first answer is he was a guy who was born in Oklahoma in 1912. And because of the circumstances of the weather, the dust bowl, the politics, the wars, the depression, it was a very, very potent time to be born. And he was one of hundreds of thousands of Americans that experienced a lot of this turmoil in the country. And what he discovered along the way is that he had a voice and that he had things to say. He had to express himself. And a lot of artists, I'm, you know, he's not unique in this sense. There's a lot of artists that just need to vent. <laughs> they need to say stuff. They need to get it out. And he was just that kind of a person. He traveled to Los Angeles. He discovered the migrant workers and the union movement. Again, he was like a nothing kind of nobody. But when he he became educated along the way, and that's what I really love about his story. He wasn't a boy genius like Mozart. He wasn't born to do anything great. He was a guy who kept his eyes and ears open and gave back through his songs and his stories what he was seeing around him. So in a sense, he became a journalist, but he became a journalist through music. When he became aware of the union movement, he became in love with the union movement. When he became aware of racism, he suddenly exploded with ideas, anti-racist ideas. When he discovered there was fascism in the world, he exploded with that. So you could see in his development, this is what I love about his story. He's just a guy. And he allows all of these things to affect him. And he allows himself to grow. Yeah, and- he's one He's one of those un- unique artists that I think that he was a great folk artist because he was born there. 
if he had been born in Jamaica, he would have been a great reggae artist. If he had been born, you know, in Japan, he would have been a great artist of that. Like, it's like if someone has sort of like an intrinsic ability to sort of, as an artistic funnel of the time, to speak in a very sort of authentic way that resonates. And I, I took some screenshots from the book and there's a great quote right at the top of it, which says, I am a changer, a constant changer. I have to be or die because whatever stops changing is dead and I am alive. And it, what you were speaking to there. And then, you know, the intro reads, America's greatest folk singer and songwriter, Woody Guthrie, and his passionate social politics are as crucial today as they have ever been. A powerful voice for justice and the author of more than 3,000 songs, including, importantly, This Land is Your Land, which we'll get to later. He was also a poet, painter, illustrator, novelist, journal keeper, and profuse letter writer. The book that had just come out, this fresh, intimate, and beautifully designed book, reveals Woody's story through his own personal writings, lyrics, artwork, bringing his voice urgently to life. All right, so tell us a little bit about like the actual book. You've, there's a lot of Woody Guthrie stuff out in the world. What is this book, and why is it different than the other stuff? Well, there's two things that make this book special. One is that I put it together, because, <laughs> and what I mean by that is that all of these ideas that you hear, People quote him, people talk about him, people write about him. I, you know, there's this great Bob Dylan quote that said, you could listen to Woody Guthrie's songs and learn how to live. That's me. In a nutshell, he's, he's talking about the kids. We grew yes. up with all of this. Everything that's in the book, everything that he was, people he wanted me to know, places he wanted me to go, uh, history he wanted me to know about. It's all part of my existence from the day I was born. And I thought that would be a very different perspective. Now, there's a I wrote an intro to the book that I talk about being in Coney Island, where I was born, where we grew up, on the fountain stools that go spinning around, you know, those soda fountains. And we used to spin around. And what I loved about those stools is that it was a 360-degree life. You know, you could go anywhere at any time. If it was boring over there, you go over there. If it's interesting over there, you swing over to the left. So right, right. you were just constantly involved 360 degrees. And that became kind of a metaphor for me for the book. It's to express what I learned from my father in 360 degrees. Now, a lot of people, they write, they have kind of a tunnel of particular interest. You know, maybe they're interested in his politics. Maybe they're interested in unions. Maybe they're interested in folk songs or Bob Dylan. You know, everyone kind of comes with their own specific uh, focus. And I don't have that. I have that 360. It's all there. So what I wanted to do was create a very holistic approach. So in other words, I divided it into topics, themes, politics, people, family, places, in all of these areas, he lived, for instance, in family. He wrote songs about children. He wrote songs about lovers. He wrote songs about wives. He wrote in his diary about children. He wrote in his diary about lovers and diary about wives. He did art about children, lovers, yeah, wives, etc. So he was a multifaceted artist. And what I tried to do was put it all together in one theme. So when you're looking at the lyric Vigilante Man, which you probably know. There's also something he wrote in his diary about vigilante mans, but there's also art about vigilanteism. So you put it all together so that in one fell uh, swoop, you could get this full experience of how he felt about vigilanteism in song, in diary, in art, in letters. Yeah. 
in every yeah. possible way that he could express himself. So that's kind of one of the oh, that's great. Yeah, main yeah. differences great. about how I approach the book. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, the the holistic. Holistic is exactly the world that I would describe it in looking through it. So just tell me a little bit about Woody Guthrie as a dad, as a father. <laughs> well, it's kind of funny because my experience with him is ass backwards. Most people have a parent and then they get old and sick and something happens. You end up having to take care of them, right? Mm. Mine was just the opposite. My dad was sick with Huntington's disease most of my life growing up. We spent most of our early years taking care of him feeding him, clothing him, taking him to and from hospitals, to different events, etc. But he was a very, very sick man. And it wasn't until the second part of my life that I discovered the healthy man. And I discovered him through his writings and his diaries and his notebooks and his letters. That's what I discovered. And that's also what I wanted to put into the book, his healthiest, most potent self. Mm-hmm. And then I, I created the Woody Guthrie Archive. This is a long, a whole other story. But I have to confess, Tom, that there were so many things I didn't know about him. And I had an awakening. I mean, I had a real epiphany when I started pers- just myself looking through his letters and his diaries. And I discovered there was one thing in particular, a piece of writing that he wrote about women. And up until then... I was a dancer. I didn't have anything much to do with folk music because everyone else does in my family. (laughs) So I thought, I'm going to be different. (laughs) I'm not going to play guitar. Yeah, that niche is is well covered. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) You know, in my family, there were like so many guitar players and I'm the youngest. And it's like you'd come home and my dad would be there with his guitar. Cisco Houston is there. Pete Seeger is there with his guitar. Then Jack Elliott's there with his guitar. Then Bob Dylan's there with his guitar. John Cohen and the Ramblers. It just goes on and on. Then there's my brothers. Yeah. With guitar, songwriters, blah, blah, blah. So it's like, for me, I would have to not just climb a ladder. There was like 20 steps to go, hello, hi, I'm Nora. (laughs) I didn't have anything to do with it. But when I discovered this piece of writing, and again, it was about women and women's roles, I freaked out because I felt for the first time in my life, I felt my father's hug. I felt him saying, I love who you are. You know, it was like a father really supporting me, not folk music, not politics, me. Yeah. And when I discovered that he had that part of him, that's when I really became absolutely fascinated with what he had to say, just as a daughter. I came to Woody late in life and in my career. There's this great quote in the book, which helps reveal some of the reasons why. This is Woody Guthrie. There's a feeling in music and it carries you back down the road you have traveled and makes you travel it again. Or it takes you back down the road somebody else has come and you can look out across the world from the hill they are standing on. Sometimes when I hear music, I think back over my days and a feeling that is 50-50 joy and pain swells like clouds taking all kinds of shapes in my mind. If it is joy, it is such a treasured sort and such a fine make that the thought of its passing is near to pain. And you can see how pain has paid you a profit in its own strange way. And the joy of the sadness is like a raindrop falling in the sun. 
I mean, like my gosh, like <laughs> that just so it's so beautiful. And so I, you know, I grew up. I liked heavy music. I liked heavy metal, and then I liked punk rock music. Then I liked hip hop music. And it wasn't till my my introduction, the the bridge back to Woody, was the Springsteen Nebraska record. I was not a Springsteen fan growing up. To me, I like I like the Clash and Black Sabbath. But I saw an HBO special of Bruce, and he played. There's like an acoustic set in it, and it, it almost made me cry. And I'm like, this music is as heavy as anything coming from a Marshall stack. And then I, you know, went backwards and I found Phil Oaks and I found Bob Dylan and I found Woody Guthrie. And when I settled on Woody Guthrie, I remember going to tower records here in sunset and just buying out the cassette collection and going like, what, I mean, in your mid thirties or what, or, or so, to be able to sort of find this treasure trove of, of poetry and wisdom and politics. And it was in a way like he was a punk rocker and he was a, it was all sort of like the rebellion of punk rock and sort of the politics of the clash, but also woven into it was the commitment of playing those songs on the picket line, not just writing about them, but sort of living a life that you were as uh, sort of injected into the DNA of the people of the time. And part of those struggles as you know, a carpenter might be part of those struggles as part of the Carpenters Union. Woody was part of those struggles as a songwriter. I'm Tom Morello, and this is Maximum Firepower. It is a great pleasure and a great honor to have Nora Guthrie. <laughs> Let's talk about This Land is Your Land. So some of our listeners have no idea what they hit. This is a song that most United States school children probably learn in the third grade, and they learn a few of the verses, and it just becomes sort of part of the melodic DNA of... American kids growing up. But the song has a, a much deeper history and a much more sort of, within it is a much more potent force than there appears on the surface. Tell us about This Land Is Your Land. Well, he wrote it actually in New York City. He had just traveled from California to New York, thus the line from California to the New York Island. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it, in very, if you look at the song, read the words, it's really like a diary entry. As I went walking, he was walking. Where? On a ribbon of highway, on a paved highway, Route 66, whatever. So you can look at it very simply as a diary entry that he wrote at the end of this month-long journey traveling across the country. He writes literally, at the bottom of the lyric, he writes, all you can write is what you see. And that's what he wrote. He saw wheat fields waving. He saw dust clouds rolling. Everything in that song is real. There's nothing fantasy in it. And then he goes on and he also says, I was at a church. I stood by the steeple. I saw people standing in line waiting for food. They stood there hungry. I stood there wondering, is this land made for you and me? Why are these people hungry? As I went walking, I saw signs and the sign said, no trespassing. What do you mean no trespassing? I thought this land was made for you and me. On the other side, doesn't say anything. That side's made for you and me. So... You can just dissect the song line by line by line. Not only is it descriptive and journalistic, it evolves. You see him as a man evolving from walking to seeing things, to questioning things, to demanding this land was made for you and me. So it's a, it's six verses altogether. Usually they only do the first two songs in school. And some people call that uh, censorship. I never felt that it was censorship. I thought that kids like to sing at the music teachers. The kids can't learn more than two verses. Right, right. <laughs> but it is, but it is an inter- it is an interesting framing because I had no idea the verses that you just when I learned the song. I, and then I Tom, you had the joy of discovery. 
Exactly. Exactly. And of sharing that discovery over and over and over again, you know. Uh, at, but that's at, the thing that I love about Woody is that, you know, we were just talking today. It's so wonderful when people just kind of trip across him. It's a genuine, yes. like what you were describing was a genuine discovery. And yeah. we've never tried to, I mean, even in the book, I don't have anything to say about him. It's like 300 and something pages, but every page is meant to inspire or answer a curiosity. We try to stay out of his way and let him tell you not just the good things. I mean, he's not a saint. He can be a sinner and he talks about it quite freely, but he also talks about a lot of these groundbreaking ways of thinking that punk rock actually discovered the same thing. Here's the thing, Tom, no ideas are unique. True ideas are spoken by people throughout decades and decades and centuries. This is the truths as I see them in Woody's voice, the same truths you speak in your voice with your guitar. So I tried to, I tried to show how he doesn't own these ideas. He lets them flow through him. And they flow through him to the next, to Bob, to you, to whoever else wants them. But in the period of time with a certain instrument, with a certain tone of voice, he's like, he's like the Holland Tunnel. You just, <laughs> he's just come on through. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no ticket required. No, no, no. Right. And he didn't invent these ideas. He doesn't invent the ideas of love or justice or of anything. I understand what like like he's he's the um like the sort of the divining rod or the like the or like the you know the the lightning rod that comes up and waiting for the right uh for the storm to hit of which is there but I mean he doesn't it's with such like my while I think that the this land is journal as you described is is journal entries but it's also a font of wisdom and and in some ways it's a map I mean like when I finally heard the lyric which was not when I was eight years old it was closer when I was thirty eight years old nobody living can ever stop me. When I go walking that freedom highway, nobody living can make me turn back now. This land is made for you and me. I mean, that's, I, I tried to forge a career. I was already on a career doing that. And then somebody put it in, you know, a succinct way in a verse of a song that I just had mistaken for this kind of like uh, bubblegum kids song. And it's just, it's, it's one of the most potent, most beautiful and potent songs like ever written. And hopefully one day, if there's justice, it will become our new national anthem. No, we don't want it to be a national anthem. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. You're going to evade Iran singing this land is your land? I don't think so. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. So, but as you're talking about like. It's not a government song, Tom. It's not a government song. It's a people song. It is a people song. And you let the people sing it where it needs to be sung for their rights and their needs. Right. The book is replete with great Woody Guthrie quotes, including all my words, if not well put, nor well taken, are well meant. Hey, and you're in two pages in the book. Oh, fantastic. You know which ones? No, I don't. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Revolutionary Mind. Oh, sure. Okay, so, we got to talk about that. So, first of all, one of my one of my greatest <laughs> and the Trump song. You're in the Trump song too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Trump song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, like this is so crazy. Is that Woody Guthrie, to get, let me get, make sure I get this right, that Donald Trump's father was Woody Guthrie's landlord. Correct. Correct. 
And then Woody wrote a song about what a jackass that guy was. Correct. And that song was one of, uh, I, if there if there were chords to it, we don't know what they are because it was a it was a lyric, correct? Correct. It was a lyric. And so then Annie DeFranco and Ryan Harvey and myself brought that lyric to life. One of the things that, that Nora does as part of curating the archives is that there are hundred I mean how many how many Woody Guthrie lyrics are there that there are no known chords to? Probably about twenty five hundred. About twenty five hundred, right? So there's thousands of these Woody Guthrie verses. And so occasionally they very famously on Mermaid Avenue, the, the record with Billy Bragg and, and Wilco, this this song about Trump's dad. But then I had the uh the great honor. I'm not sure whether you reached out to me or I went reach out to you begging, but there was a song called Ease My Revolutionary Mind that was again, it was it was a Woody Guthrie lyric that I had the great honor of, of bringing to life and got to play that at the at the hundredth uh the Woody Guthrie Centennial as well. It's just a really, really great song. And I took some liberty with the lyrics and sort of modernized it into the into the, the the street battles that were going on in that particular time. I think sort of around the around the Gulf War. But again, Tom, thank you so thank you so much, Tom. What other musician can you think of that could genuinely sing the line? I need a progressive woman to ease my revolutionary mind. <laughs> Come on, who's going to yeah, sing yeah. that? Well, that Ed Sheerhan. That's good. That's because, and also because you know my wife Denise, so you know, like, it's <laughs> but I mean, I this is one of my favorite lyrics actually because it shows a part of him. You know, we talked about the kind of kumbaya thing about this land, they it kind of got that identity for a while, but then there's a song like Revolutionary Mind where he's freaking out, he's freaking, he's in sweats at night, he's dying because of what's happening around, he's angry, he's freaking out. And his idea of a love song, I love this. Woody Guthrie's idea of a love song is to have a very progressive liberal woman calm him down. Now, who is going to sing that, Tom? Who's going to sing it? I'm just glad I got the nod. I'm glad I got the nod. All right, well, so in rapid, just sir, we're talking about the new book, Woody Guthrie, Songs and Art, Words and Wisdom, which is curated by Woody's daughter, Nora Guthrie, great friend and wonderful guest today. So in parting, for someone who has learned about Woody Guthrie during this podcast, for example, from a list, well, one place you can start is that is that book. But like from a listening point of view, Woody first and foremost is someone who played songs. If someone just heard about Woody Guthrie, they're interested in, oh my gosh, this is someone who they may feel simpatico with or may want to check out, where should they begin? I guess you, you begin in the beginning. You begin with Dust Bowl Ballads. It's a nice selection his very first record and what's nice about it is that it's journalistic he, you get you get the idea of what he writes about and why he's writing and i keep thinking of people like john prine or you know other writers who have continued you know even willie nelson continued yeah. in that style i guess dust ball ballads would be the first because it also contains tom Joad, where he takes a historic figure the fact that he writes about people is so important yeah. to Woody Guthrie. Yeah. He loves people. The fact that he writes vigilante man on Dust Bowl ballads. How important is that in this day and age? We yeah. should be singing that all over the place right now. Yeah. Plus the journalistic of the Dust Bowl and some other stuff. And it also has his biting humor. You know, at the end of the, when the dust storm comes and he goes to church and the preacher says, well, we're all going to die. So he takes out his hat and puts a collection up. <laughs> they're still taking money, <laughs> yeah, yeah. even though they're all going to die. <laughs> um, 
So it has a little bit of all, you can see the early beginnings of all of Woody's writings. And I think this book takes it as far into the present as I could possibly do. You know, I worked with you. I've worked with so many different musicians bringing a lot of these lyrics forward, including some of the Jewish ones with the Klesmatics, his understanding of spirituality, which is so important. Do you see how spiritually he grows? Dust Bowl Ballads would probably be the place to start. Nora, thank you so much. So much. I miss you. And I can't wait for us to jump, <laughs> jump up and down to this land is your land again. And <laughs> hopefully the not too dis distant future. But I'm thank you so much for this book. And thank you for coming on. And thank you just for, for being you. It's so lovely. We should podcast or no, we should just have Zoom conversations regularly. I'm like, why do we wait for a stupid book to have to hug each I, other? And exactly, Zoom? exactly. My, <laughs> my kids, my kids say hi. Denise says hi. So I just love you so much. And, and thanks again. It's just great to talk to you. And so, um, thank you, dear. Love yeah. you. Yeah. And so, until next time, everybody, this has been Maximum Firepower with Tom Morello and Nora Guthrie. Until next time, take it easy, but take it. Let foes of justice tremble. This has been Tom Morello's Maximum Firepower. Hear this episode again or listen to past shows right now on the Sirius XM app. Search Maximum Firepower.